Hello and welcome to Paper Boys, the podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. I'm your host, Charlie. And I'm your other host, James. Do you ever hear about science in the news and wonder, isn't there more behind the science in this story? Every Thursday, we go to the actual research behind these stories to open up the work behind beautiful new discoveries and cut through misinformation in the media. Today's episode is about Titan's atmosphere. Do you know what Titan is, James? I've heard of it. That little moon out there somewhere. <laughs> little pop quiz. Yeah, Titan is a moon of Saturn, and it's actually the only moon that has an atmosphere. And this new paper, coming from the Southwest Research Institute in Texas, shed some new light on maybe where that atmosphere could have actually come from, which has been a mystery in the study of Titan for a while. This paper generated a lot of headlines that I thought were maybe a little bit misleading, actually. So I dove into this paper and had a chance to try to unpack it a little bit. And I'm pretty excited to tell you about what I found. That's really interesting. I have no guess as to the origin of Titan's atmosphere. So, Charlie, I have plenty of questions for you. Okay, good. I'm gonna, I'll try to answer, but I can't make any promises. James and I are both PhD students, and we read a lot of papers in our own research. So... Over time, we've developed a little bit of a knack for reading papers, and we thought that we would share that skill and our love for science with anyone else who wants to learn about discoveries that affect all of us. We are the Paper Boys. Before we get started, we want to say, first off, thank you for listening to our podcast. Please, if you're listening to this right now, we'd love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter at PaperboysPod. If you're listening in the lab, feel free to send us a shot. It makes Charlie and I very, very excited to know that people are actually listening, especially if you're in grad school, because we're in the same boat. Also, if you enjoyed this episode or any of our previous episodes, please recommend it to a friend. All right, Charlie, so the atmosphere on Titan, how did you hear about this article? Yeah, so I kind of came across a bunch of headlines one day that were all relating to this idea of like organic compounds and cooking and just a little bit of like these terms that when you mix them together, they kind of give you a certain impression. So I'm just going to read you a couple of headlines that I saw. I mean, you're talking about organic compounds and cooking making me hungry. Yeah, well, exactly. It kind of gives this impression of food and life. So I'm going to read these headlines. Maybe you can kind of give me your impression of what you think is going on. Okay. So Digital Trends said, where did Titan's thick nitrogen-rich atmosphere come from? So we're going to be talking about the source of this atmosphere on Titan. Another article from Sci News said, cooking of ancient organics created Titan's mysterious atmosphere. And then finally, we have Science News said Titan's oddly thick atmosphere may come from cooked organic compounds. So when you hear cooked organic compounds, what does your mind immediately jump to? Life. Yeah, mine jumps to like a big juicy steak. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe some sun-dried tomatoes on there. Mm, yeah. I don't know if those go together. Sprinkle a little uh, balsamico. Ooh, a balsamico. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like immediately you think some sort of life related process is going on right yeah that's usually when you're looking at organic molecules in the solar system it's somewhat connected to like the building blocks of life 
Yeah, that's true. They always say, oh, well, we, we found organics at this place. And those are the things that we always find when there's life somewhere. And so that's important, right? So this paper's about life on Titan? No. No? Like, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, the, the word life is not even in this paper. And, you know, I mean, I'm going to be fair to these articles. None of them say anything about life, right? But it does, I mean... The first thing that comes up when you search organic compounds is like the Wikipedia summary that says organic compounds are the result of decomposed life and stuff like that. Yeah, it seems like these articles are sort of going against the general trend of science news where you're like, if you mention organic compounds on a foreign planet, you're usually talking about the search for life or the existence of or the history of life or the origin of life. Yeah, and so this is... And maybe this is a discussion better saved for after we talk about the paper. But I have this sneaking suspicion, and I'm probably just projecting because I got duped by these headlines. But I have this suspicion that this was a headline-making paper because of that potential for misinterpretation. Because after reading this paper, I mean, it's very fascinating, but it's definitely not mainstream newsworthy, in, in my opinion. Interesting. As a space lover, to hear you say this is not mainstream newsworthy, that's a, that's a bold sp- bold statement. Yeah, and that's kind of my, I guess that's my hot take here, is that it's cool, but there's not much of consequence to en- to the average reader here. Not Definitely not to the point that digital trends would write an article on this. You know, I mean, you'd expect a science news and fizz.org and those kinds of sites, but this is kind of getting spread around in places where people don't really have that much business being that interested in this, which leads me to believe that it got all this traction because people had that initial like, wait a second, cooked, organic, Titan. I see. They're, the clickbaiters were baited. Exactly. I mean, it's like a total change in the game. Yeah, maybe maybe these authors of this paper did that on purpose. They clickbaited the Except totally not. Dun, dun, dun. So when I read this article, the title of this article, you're not going to be clickbaited at all. <laughs> okay. Well, so what is the title of the article? What is it about? So the journal paper is called Contributions from Accreted Organics to Titan's Atmosphere. New Insights from Cometary and Chondritic Data. Whoa. There were at least two solid words in there that I did not understand. And I speak, I mean, I speak English. So <laughs> Yeah. So, well, I'll break it down in a sec. The authors are Kelly E. Miller, Christopher R. Glean, and J. Hunter Waite Jr. from the Southwest Research Institute in Texas. And this is in the January 2019 issue of the Astrophysical Journal. So breaking down the title a little bit, contributions from accreted organics. Accretion is just the process of things in space coming together to form a body. Okay. Organics is just, I think it's just sort of a class of chemicals that we typically find in organic material like carbon and hydrogen and oxygen nitrogen things that come together to form like carbohydrates and proteins and amino acids things that that eventually could become life and then you know the second half of that title new insights from cometary and chondritic data comets we all know and love chondrites are just another type of meteorites that i think are non-metallic they're just rocky oh interesting okay it's honestly it's not all that important for our understanding of this paper but anyway so there's the breakdown of the few words that you may not have known from that article title i've learned something new yay good all right you can turn off the episode now all right done see you guys 
Just kidding. <laughs> so you mentioned the researchers in this paper are studying Titan's atmosphere, but what is it specifically about Titan that makes it such a mystery? Didn't we have a spacecraft actually land on Titan? Yeah, the Huygens probe. I have no clue if I said that right, but it rode along with Cassini and landed on the surface of Titan. And so that's actually how we know even the amount that we do know about Titan, but we really don't know that much Okay. in relative terms. This isn't like Mars. Where... No, Mars we know way more about. And actually, this paper is interesting. It has a very similar sort of methodology to an earlier Paper Boys episode we did about terraforming Mars, where they took an inventory of all the CO2 on the planet to see if you could terraform. But we'll get to that. The reason why Titan is a mystery is that it's the, it's the only moon that has an atmosphere. The only one we know of in the solar system? In the entire solar system, it's the only one that has like a tangible atmosphere. And wow. It's, it's actually a really thick atmosphere at the surface of Titan, which is, I think, a little bit larger than our own moon. So it's not this huge planet or anything. At the surface of Titan, the pressure of the atmosphere is 1.5 bar. So for reference, the pressure at sea level on Earth is one bar. Whoa. Okay. I so, mean, that's really interesting because that was sort of at the crux of that Mars terraforming episode of like, how do you generate an atmosphere that's so thick? It's really challenging. Yeah. Having a thick atmosphere is honestly one of the most crucial parts of being able to live on the surface of a planet is like if you were standing on the surface of Titan, assuming you had an oxygen mask, you could survive without a suit. I mean, the temperatures are all wrong and everything, and there's methane lakes that would probably do you a lot of damage <laughs> or something, but... Oh, whatever. What's a little methane spill on the old body? Yeah, but in pressure terms, it would be pretty similar to being on Earth. And then the other notable thing about this atmosphere is that it's very nitrogen-rich. So there's a lot of nitrogen in this atmosphere, which is, again, pretty similar to what we see here on Earth. So these sound like things we enjoy on Earth, like a dense <laughs> atmosphere organic components do scientists believe that there could be life on titan or the potential for life at least yeah it's not one of the major candidates because in the search for life in our solar system they're normally looking for places where you have liquid water that's like their main approach simply oh. because that's the only form of life that we know is one that formed in liquid water on titan you don't have liquid water you have liquid methane and the atmosphere is nitrogen rich, but then the rest of the atmosphere is also like methane and it's not oxygen and water vapor and those things. So there could be some form of life there because there are all these organic compounds, the quote unquote building blocks of life. But if that were the case, we wouldn't even know what to look for because we don't know life forms that were created in those conditions. Interesting. Which would start a whole other philosophical discussion about like, how do you find life that's not similar to your own? Or... Exactly. And so, you know, I kind of want to just like squash the life thing up front because it's not part of this paper. It's not part of the articles I read. It's not really, it's not even really relevant to the discussion, actually. Okay. So life aside, what was sort of the big motivation for this study? So there have been previous studies trying to explain where this atmosphere could have come from. Again, it's like this extremely unique feature in our solar system. So it's a big question. And the leading theory, I think, has been that this nitrogen got to Titan on comets, which can have ammonia ice on them. Ammonia is NH3. That's the chemical formula. And so what, ha what would happen is that these comets would land on Titan, deliver this ammonia ice, and then over time, photochemistry and impact events would 
cause that nitrogen to become released from the ice into the atmosphere. So that's the leading theory, and it kind of relies on what's generally understood how these moons and planets would form through accretion, that things like comets came together at some point to form, and are really still coming together if you think about it, to form these bodies. And so in order for all this nitrogen to be on Titan, you would need a lot of that ammonia ice. But recently they've been studying comets, um, and the particular recent discovery that really motivated this paper was from the Rosetta mission to comet 67P churyumov gerasimenko We'll just call it 67P because that's what they call it in the paper. But in the Rosetta mission, it was this big famous thing a couple of years ago. They landed on this comet 67P. Yeah, that was awesome. It was so cool. The pictures from it are still amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And they made a really important discovery there that these comets are actually made up of a lot more rock and organic material than they thought. So I think they used to think it was much more ice and much less organic compound. But now, because of Rosetta, they understand that these comets have more organic material than they thought. So what does this finding of more organic material on comets do to our theory on Titan and how its atmosphere formed? Yeah, so what it would mean is that if these comets rich in nitrogen and also carbon formed Titan, then that means that its interior would have all of this nitrogen and carbon rich rock. So that Titan itself is comprised of a lot of nitrogen bearing material. Okay, okay. It's As being a, bombarded by nitrogen and carbon, so it would make sense that it's composed of those. Exactly, yeah. And so then these authors' theory is that if it's comprised of this nitrogen-bearing material, that somehow that nitrogen could become outgassed, and that the atmosphere might actually be coming from inside the planet rather than outside the planet. Oh, okay. So it's like you basically get a bunch of rock in space that clumps together, forms a planet, and then it starts outgassing. I mean, exactly. It's just sort of the natural process is this gas escapes the rock, I believe, and then it but it's kept in by the gravity and you get boom, atmosphere. Yeah, that's kind of the idea with my thorough technical description. Yes, you used many of the words that I found in this paper, so they said boom a lot. <laughs> <laughs> boom, that's how it happens. Okay, so my very detail-oriented description aside <laughs> do they actually have a good way of estimating these processes of outgassing like looking at the composition of titan and the surface what we know about it is there enough nitrogen to account for the atmosphere that we currently observe yeah that so that's a great question and that's actually the exact question that they are testing in this paper they basically like their method for seeing if this hypothesis is correct is to say well if this were true, then how much nitrogen would be available in the interior of Titan? And then of that nitrogen that's there, how much of it could actually escape and become atmosphere? And then does that line up with what we see today? Okay, interesting. So what was their methodology? So the first thing they had to do was to estimate the amount of organic mass that accreted to form Titan. So they took all this different cometary data. This is kind of where they used the new updated values that they found from the Rosetta mission. They estimated a rock to ice mass ratio of comets at around 2.3, very meaningful number. Uh, <laughs> and then they used similar data to assume that around half of that rocky material on the comets is organic matter. Okay. 
So this means that the total amount of organic mass on Titan is 4.2 times 10 to the 22nd kilograms. And then they had to make these assumptions about what fraction of organic mass is actually comprised of nitrogen. And based on this chemistry analysis that I won't pretend to understand, which goes for most of the things that they said in this paper, I didn't understand very well, but I'm, you know, I'm doing my best. They estimated based on this data from these comets that 2.8% of that mass is nitrogen. So in the end, you get 1.2 times 10 to the 21 kilograms of nitrogen contained within Titan's interior. Interior being the solid interior of Titan or interior being like the entire system of Titan, including the atmosphere and the, the core. So not the atmosphere. Okay. Okay. And something that I see them talking a lot about is the rock ice interface, which I think is about 200 kilometers below the physical surface of Titan. So it sounds like maybe there's a bunch of ice kind of frozen around Titan and then the core is the rocky organic part that they're talking mostly about here. Wow. Hold on. 200 kilometers of ice? That's... Well, don't quote me on that. I don't understand. It's just... They say the rock ice interface. Oh, yeah. And so I kind of assume that. 200 kilometers, one kilometer, three kilometers. It's just like... It's a lot of realize ice. how cold it is out there. Yeah. Yeah. We're very lucky to be on Earth, even if it's a cold day in Seattle. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait. But is there any nitrogen in the ice itself then at this rock ice boundary? Yeah. So that's actually the next thing they do in the paper is they try to calculate how much nitrogen is in nitrogen bearing ices on the planet. And that's ices like multiple ice, not ISIS, right? <laughs> that is I-C-E-S. <laughs> I have to include that. <laughs> So again, using data from the Rosetta mission on the abundance of nitrogen-bearing ices at these comets, they find that there's around 9 times 10 to the 19 kilograms of nitrogen that they expect to be locked up in ice on Titan. There's another estimate from data at the comet Hale-Bopp, which is from an older mission, that is, gives a higher estimate of how much nitrogen is in there. So if you use you know, the lower or the higher estimate, you're still ending up with a total inventory of nitrogen on Titan around 4 to 5 times 10 to the 22nd kilograms. Okay, Maybe, so you... that, that matches up. Okay, so that's the total inventory. But then how much is actually in the atmosphere? So the amount that they've calculated is in the atmosphere of Titan is only 9 times 10 to the 18 kilograms. So that means that they're estimating that there's 10,000 times more nitrogen on the interior of the planet than there is in this thick nitrogen atmosphere. Oh, wow. I mean, that's pretty crazy. For a planet that's not that big to have... 10,000 already you have a very dense nitrogen atmosphere from what it sounds like and then to have 10,000 times more nitrogen in the core yeah that's just sort of locked up inside the planet so already we're kind of starting to get the picture that this might be a plausible theory wow so then i guess the next question is is it plausible that this amount of nitrogen could actually be released from the interior and the rock ice yeah, they try to answer that question. So they kind of pull out some models and they make their own models on what's known as the volatilization of nitrogen. So I think that just means it's locked up in this nitrogen-bearing rock. But if you heat that rock up, you can actually release those nitrogen molecules. I think you break the bonds somehow, and then that nitrogen can physically escape the rock as a gas and then recombine to form you know, like nitrogen molecules that make up the atmosphere. Could you glean any insight into the actual mechanisms by which the gas was released? Yeah, what they talk about in the paper is that this volatilization could happen just from heating of the rock. And so they develop a model of the internal heating of Titan, where they kind of estimate what temperatures you'd expect to see in its core. And, you know, 
over time and also over distance into the planet. So they kind of develop this whole map of the heat. And they find that, you know, even at a shallow-ish depth of 800 kilometers, it could be as warm as 500 degrees Celsius. And I think they even pulled out some higher temperatures than that. Like, it could be 1,300 degrees Celsius. Like, it, it could essentially be very warm and very hot inside Titan. And what's interesting about that is that there's experiments that show that these organics will decompose at temperatures even less than 200 degrees Celsius. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it's more than warm enough to be outgassing these materials. Definitely, yeah. Is there any downside to it being even much hotter? No, I mean I, th- I, th- I mean, I think there is a window where you get the best amount of volatilization, but I think it's a it's wider than that. So they're in a good region where there actually is going to be a lot of this volatilization. And combining their model with that experimental data, they estimate that up to 30% of that nitrogen that's locked in the planet could be volatilized and released into the atmosphere. Oh, wow. So, I mean, the, what is that having this 30%, I guess, reserve of nitrogen in the interior, then what does this mean for the atmosphere? Yeah, so they compare that number against how much nitrogen is in the atmosphere today. And to account for that amount of nitrogen, they say that this outgassing must be occurring from a depth of at least 700 kilometers down. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So far down. Yeah. So that's kind of their way of saying, yes, this is a possible theory. And if that were true, then it would have to be outgassing from this distance. And I think it's a plausible depth. Like they're not saying we need to be outgassing from the very center of the planet. I think it I think that this number is meant to be like, yeah, this is a reasonable theory. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's hard for me because I don't have a sense of like on Earth, like where did our atmosphere come from? Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, and that's why like I'm reading this paper, doing my best to understand it, but it's very, very technical. And it probably requires advanced education on organic chemistry that I just don't have. So And like planetary geology and Yeah. So forgive me a little bit, but uh No, no, no. I mean, it's interesting. So with this, though, I imagine nitrogen is not the only chemical that's present on Titan. There are other ones. We talked about methane. There were the lakes of methane on Titan. Are there any other implications like for these other molecules, these other organics on the surface if it's so warm? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that they had estimated only about 2.8% of that organic mass was nitrogen. So the other things that make up that organic mass are carbon, hydrogen, sulfur, and oxygen. And there's a lot of carbon and a lot of hydrogen, actually. Oh, interesting. And that would explain why you have all this methane on Titan. It's from that carbon and hydrogen that reforms into methane, which is CH4. Okay. But the way that this model works would imply, actually, that there should be a lot more methane in the atmosphere than what they currently observe. So, Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it means that like that methane has to have gone somewhere if this theory is true. And presumably it didn't just go into space, right? And drift away? Or is that a theory? Well, they looked at that and they estimated only about 0.2% of the released methane would have actually gotten lost to space. So the rest of it has to have been deposited on the surface of the planet, like as ice or as liquid. Oh, wow. Which explains why there's lakes there. But the question is, are those lakes enough to account for this massive discrepancy in the amount of methane that they see? Where could all this methane be? 
so they cal- they actually calculated if this is possible. And if all that methane that they have to account for were deposited on the surface, then it would have an equivalent global depth of between 90 and 170 meters. So like the entire surface should be covered in 170 meters of liquid methane. Which kind of it's like an interstellar when they land on that water planet. Yeah, with the giant waves. All methane. All methane. It'd be pretty smelly. Ugh. But obviously the planet is not covered in 170 meters of methane. There are methane lakes, but I think the depth of one of the largest lakes they've observed is only 150 meters, and that doesn't even come close to covering the surface of the planet. Oh, yeah. It's not nearly enough. But they kind of make an argument that is, if the lakes are forming the, uh, the dissolution of organic materials from the surface itself, then you'd need a depth of organic sediment of 700 meters and so that might actually explain, like, you could have all of this methane being deposited as sediment, maybe. This, this part, I honestly didn't understand very well. But I think what they're saying is, it's plausible, but right now, we don't really observe what we expected to. Okay. I mean, it sounds like we just, we don't really know quite enough about the constituents of the surface. And just the surface itself. No, and that's, yeah, like... You know, we've only landed there with one thing, and this thick atmosphere makes it hard to observe the surface, especially given that we've only had one probe that's been nearby. That just crashed onto it, right? Well, Cassini hung out around Saturn for a long time, but, you know, it wasn't looking at Titan the whole time, and I don't think that it, I don't know how accurately we've mapped the surface of Titan, and there's just, you're right, there's a lot that we don't know, and I think begs many, many more questions. Interesting. Okay, so here's a question for you. You're in charge of NASA. You're the boss. Lifelong dream accomplished. (laughs) Where do you send a probe? Would you send a probe to Titan? No, Neptune. Neptune. Neptune is... I should have known you would say that. Yeah, I'm such a Neptune, you know. You're such a Neptune guy, God. No, I would totally send something to Neptune, honestly, just for the pictures. Oh. Because we've only gotten pictures of Neptune up close once in like 1987 on a flyby that literally lasted a few hours wow yeah like think of all those incredibly beautiful life changing perspective shifting pictures of saturn that you've seen or of jupiter from like up close like how much that completely changed the way you even thought about our solar system and those are from you know single probes that got to spend a meaningful amount of time there Or like when we got our HD pictures of Pluto using modern cameras. That was awesome. Right? Like it kind of changed your life just a little bit, you know? Like nothing, you know, you didn't go change careers or anything, but it just like changed you a little bit. Imagine seeing Neptune up close with our current camera technology, plenty of time to orbit. I don't know. That would be cool. Same goes for Uranus. Like we, we have no clue what these things really look like. Yeah. I also heard they would have to use this uh, new plasma technology to land, <laughs> to actually get into Neptune's orbit. Is that true? Yeah. Do you know, you know anything uh, about that? Studies have shown that you can't send an orbiter to Neptune without a little technology called aerocapture. Ladies and gentlemen, I am being a little bit facetious. This is a core part of Charlie's research. Yeah. But it is really cool. And I'm being a little bit self-serving by saying I want to go to Neptune because it's a core part of my research. I mean... 
if you're dedicating your life to getting a PhD in it, I that's think true. You should send as boss of NASA. I'd say good choice. Yeah. But uh, the researchers Thank- of this paper may disagree. Thank you, Mr. President. <laughs> <laughs> Someday, maybe. Uh, not when they find this podcast. <laughs> well, interesting. So it sounds like, you know, for the very little bit that we know actually about Titan, they were able to come up with some pretty good estimates. At least, you know, start framing our estimates and our knowledge of where the atmosphere comes from and sort of where the shortcomings are. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I think they're realistic about that these things are estimates. It would be interesting to kind of come up with in the end, like an ultimate error bar on this whole thing to see whether this theory is right. But, you know, it's not like they come out in the end and say, therefore, this theory is true. I think they actually, the end result of this paper is they say that the outgassing of volatiles from Titan's nitrogen-rich interior could account for up to about 50% of the nitrogen in the atmosphere. So you still have this ammonia ice process going on that they always thought was the case. But then they say like, and by the way, this interior process could really bolster this creation of a nitrogen atmosphere. Interesting. I mean, truthfully, it sounds like really hard work. They're working from such few data sources. Yeah. But I mean, how hard do you think it feels when you're getting to work on something so cool? Oh, like you're studying Titan. I don't know. That'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. Challenging, but awesome. Yeah. And I must say, I'm very surprised, as you mentioned earlier, that this made it into headline news. Yeah, honestly, I'm pretty surprised too. Again, this was interesting to me, but I'm like a huge space nerd. And even then, it wasn't that interesting to me. You know, (laughs) like this was not, I think it's an important step forward, but it doesn't seem like a groundbreaking leap in in our understanding of the solar system. I mean, I think the real groundbreaking leap was what Rosetta found on these comets. This is just sort of one yeah. of the penumbras that emanated out from that discovery. Ooh, <laughs> to use poetic. a yeah, poetic analogy there. Well, so based on this, I'm on the edge of my seat waiting to hear about your judgment of science headline news. Yeah, I mean, as I kind of indicated at the beginning, it's really the headlines that I took issue with. Some of them were good. You know, Digital Trends just really said, where did Titan's thick, nitrogen-rich atmosphere come from? Which sounds like the title of a Paperboys episode. I might actually just steal that title. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But these other ones that say, like Psy News said, cooking of ancient organics created Titan's mysterious atmosphere. That just immediately gives you the idea that oh, well, there was a civilization there a long time ago, ancient organics, and they they were industrious like we are. They cooked, and therefore this atmosphere got created. Yeah, I don't know what the grammatical word is, but like cooking is like, it's a very human thing. Yeah, and nowhere in this paper did they use the word cooking. I mean, they're talking about volatilization. I think really the phrase they use is thermal fractionation. Which probably which probably is called that and not cooking for a good reason. Yeah. You know? Like scientists like to come up with particular names for things that are different in fundamental ways. Yes. Yeah. People give scientists a very hard time with all the terminology, but like at the end of the day it means something. It does mean something. I think in our mass extinction episode, we actually got even a little bit of flack for mixing up the terms anoxia and hypoxia. Which, yes. as far as I understand, both mean a lack of oxygen. Yeah, there's a difference, though. But, but yeah, but there's yeah. some fundamental difference that's important to the scientists who study it. Yeah, absolutely. There was a good quote in the Science News article from Miller, the first author on this paper, 
that kind of just sums up the importance of the Rosetta discovery and kind of how it sparked her to study this. She said, I still had this conception that comets are mostly ice with a little bit of rock. I was surprised to see that 50% of 67P was rock and organics and only half was ice. Hmm. Just kind of that's the paradigm shift that led to this study and I'm sure has led to numerous other studies that did not make headline news. Yeah, it, it is really interesting to start thinking, you know, taking a step back, looking at Titan, but then also just the broader solar system as a whole and wondering, of course, you know, what is the origin of the solar system and the universe and life and seeing how with this new information from the comets, how we could start to piece that together. Yeah, for sure. Well, great. That was a really interesting paper. Thanks for bringing that one in, Charlie. Yeah, I'm glad I got to share it. If you're interested to find more about this article or the popular science articles, we will be posting these on the website, paperboyspodcast.com. We are also excited to say that on our website, we have a link to merch through tpublic.com. We have t-shirts, mugs, even Paperboys tote bags, I hear. Oh yeah, we got it all. Also, if you like this episode, please share it on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at paperboyspod. As James mentioned at the beginning, we'd love it if you just let us know where you're listening from. Just gave us a little, hey, what's up, guys? We honestly just get thrilled. We're like puppies. You show us a tiny bit of attention and we'll be extremely happy. (laughs) Especially if you have a paper recommendation, you come across a headline that you think is like, wait a second, there's got to be more behind this. We would love to dive into it for you dedicate an episode to it we've had several already that we've done from listener recommendations so please send them our way thanks everyone join us again next week for another exciting episode of paper boys thanks for listening <laughs>